an organization that knows us. They invested the time into getting to know our business really well. So much so that when they come in and, and some of them train our new hires, our new hires ask the value selling associates, how long have you been with Telium? You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. I want to thank you all for coming. Um, this is the first time we've ever done this live. Um, I, am a, I have a face for podcasting, so there's a reason that I do it behind a big fuzzy mic, and so we had the opportunity to do this uh, here with GetHard. For anybody who's interested, this is again the name of the podcast, this is where you can find it. Um, I'm not 100% sure how this is going to go. So if anybody's listened to the podcast, then you know it pretty much can go anywhere. So uh, let's start really quick with a couple of stats. I'm sure everyone in here has devoured the state of sales report from Salesforce. What I find interesting about these two stats is that the first one, 78% of business buyers seeking trusted advisor, is old enough that I remember hearing that when I had hair. And the new one is about 82% of these B2B buyers want the same experiences they have as a customer in a B2C world. So we all have this lovely little word that everybody's bantering around called frictionless, right? We've been talking about this in CX circles for almost a decade. It's why you see a lot of the apps. It's why iPhone got a whole bunch of uh, accolades for making it easier and more addictive to use the technologies that now are stuck to our faces most of the days. What I want you to do is I want you to count the number of Fs for me. Not the one at the top, not at the bottom, just in the center. I'm gonna give you a couple of seconds. Just count the number of Fs that is in that text in the center of the slide. When you have it, raise your hand. Raise your hand when you got it. I'm only gonna give you a couple more seconds. Raise your hand. Keep your hands up for me, keep your hands up for me. Okay, how many people saw three Fs? Raise your hands really high for me. Anybody see three? You can put those down. How many saw four? Put those down for me. How many saw five? How many saw six? How many saw seven? Drug testings after the session. There's actually six of them. And the reason I do this is because the, in order for us to provide frictionless buying experiences for our customers, we have to increase the awareness of, of the salespeople that are dealing with these customers. And so for us, one of the things that I could do is, are you really gonna do this right now? It's right now. <laughs> Okay, that's all right. It's a good thing he's cute. All right, so the reason that I bring this up is because um, I could stand up here and talk about this all day, every day, right? But it's not as much fun um, when we have the opportunity to talk about what it's really like to drive the consistent selling behaviors that we want in organizations. And that is the key. That's the key to success is consistency. It's the technology is great and awesome, but if we don't have the consistent selling behaviors from the individuals, we're not gonna see the types of results that we want. So I'm gonna let them do all the talking. So please welcome Lori Schrager, John Chinello to the stage. This is where we clap. Yeah, nice. All right, so if anybody's listening to the podcast, we always start with a random question just to get to know them a little bit better. So what is one thing that if people that work with you all day long heard about, that you're passionate about, they would be absolutely surprised to learn? 
We'll start with Lori. <laughs> so excited. Now, one thing that I'm passionate about, and people that I work with may actually know it, but it's women in the workplace and being able to balance um, working motherhood and a high-powered career. And I have two little girls. I want them to know that the, they have no limits on their future. They can do anything, and the world is going in that direction. And I think that's true for me. That's true for all the women in the workplace. That's true for those graduating from college that I can mentor today and my seven, nine-year-old daughters. <laughs> and for you? Um, so I have an addiction. I'm addicted to travel. Oh. And the reason I bring that up is because my, my purpose for traveling is often to get a different perspective, to change your perspective. Um, I've been to 43 countries so far. I'm actually going to add three more by the end of this week um, because vacation starts in 48 hours. Um, it's not a daily occurrence for me to say that. I, like, um, I thought we were going to head somewhere really yeah. long. Right out of Peace out, everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's important to kind of change your perspective. We often live on a day-to-day -day basis with blinders on. We know our business. We know our routine. And I think stepping outside of that comfort zone can really give you some great insight looking back in. Excellent. So, now, for the room, how about what is Telium? What do you guys do? Sure. So we uh, started in tag management, but we're now considering ourselves a customer data platform. So that means a lot of different things to different companies, but a customer data platform basically kind of solves for the solution where you've got tons of data out there in all different silos, and it's hard to actually take action on it. So we help you orchestrate it. We help you put it together and, and take action on it in real time. So it's in the MarTech stack. Um, we've got uh, over 800 customers now. A lot of retail, a lot of different solutions uh, for different types of businesses. Excellent. So in the Martech 9000. In the Martech 9000. Because in the time we've been sitting here, another company has That's been. That's right. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So yeah. how about your roles? Tell us about, a little bit about your roles. Yeah. I run um, revenue operations and enablement for Telium. And so I oversee the operations tech stack, aligning that with process. So it's the technology, the process, and the people um, to get that as a coordinated machine to be as effective and efficient as possible. Yep. So I report to Lori. I am head of all of our enablement in initiatives. So that includes a lot of our kickoffs, our onboarding, um, which last month we had an onboarding class that was twice as big as we normally have. Um, so that comes with challenges of rapid growth. We've got 475-ish employees right now. So growing very quickly across the globe. So that means doing everything at scale. I know that's a highly overused word, um, but really thinking about how a team of one, me, and I just grew to two, I just hired a new person last week, um, how we can do what we do on a global scale. Perfect. So instead of hearing me talk about all this stuff, we're going to dig into how they implemented, why they implemented, challenges they ran into. So let's start with what was you know what were you guys focused on? Obviously, growth and scale. Yeah. But give us a little bit more. So one of the things that Telium, I think one of our weaknesses at the time before we interacted or engaged with value selling, is we really we were growing so fast that everybody was pretty insular. Marketing was growing so fast they were focused on their initiative. Sales was grow, growing so fast. We were focused on our own silos, and that even within sales existed within the Americas, within Europe, and within APAC. The customer success team, they were so focused on what they needed to do, right? And across the business, SDRs, right? You could just go team by team by team, and what we didn't have was an integrated language and an integrated journey from the customer side. We were very self-focused.
first. And so one of the key parts of bringing in value selling is to make sure from the top down that we all decided and declared and agreed upon what our competitive differentiators were, the words that we were going to use in the marketplace, the way we were going to drive to outcomes by using a consistent sales methodology, and that created a better customer journey through the handoff points from marketing to SDR to sale and down the chain. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I'd say my part in all of that, um, in addition to what Lori said, is just making sure that it's part of the employee process. So from day one, when an employee joins Telium, you know, all the way through their career, that they're hearing it constantly. Um, it's it's a methodology, and so it has to be reinforced constantly. No change occurs overnight, and so just <laughs> there's no magic flipping of a nope. switch, and all of a sudden uh, sunshine and rainbows. It really takes a lot of reinforcement and investment and time. Excellent. And so when you guys think about you know what you individually were tasked with, right? So we, we've got to scale. We've got to scale yeah. the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked, blown way to learn that you were growing the company with silos. I think no other organization in this room suffers from that, so I'm glad you guys admitted that. Um, and so when you guys were tasked with this, what were, what were the mandates for each of you? What were the individual marching orders? Do you want to go first? I was going to offer that to you. Yeah, I kind of touched on it before, but I think it's just those continuous points. So in order to get something part of everyone's daily language, it means just constant reinforcement. So making sure that managers are enabled and trained on how to coach to this. If you're familiar with value selling, you're familiar with a value prompter. So a manager needs to be able to inspect the activity that they expect, right? And so that has to come up in the conversations. The moment a manager stops asking for something to be done, the rep stops doing it, right? And so having them reinforce, having it part of the expectations continuously is incredibly important to making a success. Okay, so let's back up just a little yeah. bit. Let's say, all right, so we want to scale. You got silos. Yep. Sounds like almost a disease. Anyway, um, you got silos. We want to get rid of those. And you're tasked with making sure you can drive something that's scalable, that's something that is enabling the behaviors in the organization. Mm -hmm. How did you start the process of going out and looking for a methodology? What was the decision that said, hey, I want a methodology versus I'm going to go buy another piece of tech or something like that? What was that thought process? That's a great question. So for two years, we actually were talking about methodology. And, and there's the sales process. It really took a while. And at the time, we did not have a CRO. So the head of North America sales reported to our CEO, head of Europe sales reported to our CEO, and head of APAC reported to our CEO. I ran operations and enablement reporting to our CEO. And so I had three sales leaders who all had three different opinions and three different backgrounds on what they wanted. Um, the cool thing is that we all agreed we needed a consistent sales methodology. But that was the one thing that we agreed upon. Right now, throw on top of that a rapidly growing tech company where lots of people believe that they're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> and so we had three very seasoned sales leaders, by the way. They're all, they all have plenty of years of experience in sales. And so they probably were the most knowledgeable about why a sales methodology. But a lot of the others were book smart or internet smart, and therefore lots of things came up. The latest and greatest, the buzzwords, right, were constantly showing up. 
without a foundation of really thinking about what works in our environment, what works in our market, and where the markets are growing. Two years ago, Telium was really in the tag management space. We were competing against free products like Google Tag Manager. But the evolution over those two years took us to a place where we were seeding a market to grow and educate a market, and then into a very competitive marketplace where we are today, which really happened after we brought in value selling to the extent that it you know, has been growing in that path. And so that's the journey that we are on. And we had to convince our CEO that a sales methodology was necessary to drive up win rates, to create the conversation, to create consistent communication to our customer journey. And so we had to get over the hump of what's the value of a sales methodology, which one, right? We went around on that. And finally, how do we implement? But value selling aside, right, all sales methodologies, you need to understand what your competitive differentiator is, who you are, and what you want to be. And we had to get through that was probably the biggest challenge. It wasn't actually picking the sales methodology because four of us, me and the three sales leaders, got aligned around value selling. Many of us had used value selling at previous companies. But it was around really agreeing upon those differentiators and who we are today and who we wanted to be. I'm, I'm amazed that you had three sales leaders with three separate opinions on anything. That Unheard of. I'm sure that shocks the room <laughs> as well. So, all right, you get everybody on the, on the page. You agree that we're going to do a methodology. We'll fast forward through all of the sales stuff. Decisions made, now you're going to implement. What problems did you guys focus on as you started thinking about that implementation in order to ensure success? So given that history, the biggest thing to me was consistency, right? It was our marketing leader needed to be on board with those things, our head of sales. And at this point, we were all bought into value selling being the sales methodology. What were we going to communicate? We had to agree upon that because going into that, we were all operating in our silos. And so our messaging was slightly different, right? And I remember the first internal meeting we had with value selling was for the managers. And we sat in the room and we started, they asked us questions about really leading to competitive differentiators. And all we heard was about features and functionality and the technology. And so at that point, we had to really make that curve around technology doesn't sell itself. You have to focus on the business outcomes and the business impact that your technology is going to provide for. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I thought that that meeting was so interesting because you had so many different opinions. But the fact that you were able to get everyone in the room and start with a leadership. I mean, how many of you guys have implemented a sales methodology before? By a show of hands. So for those of you on the podcast, about half the, the folks in the room, I'm guessing like most companies, you start with a big kickoff, the announcement comes, everyone gets trained at once. I think the critical aspect of all of this was starting with a leadership, getting people on board from the top down. Without it, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a, a methodology get implemented successfully or with the efficiency that it did. Well, any change management initiative. Right? That's true. If you're not That's driving true, that consistent conversation, yeah. we were looking at the change management curve right. earlier today. Yeah. Everybody goes through the same thing. So if you don't drive right. that from the top down, it becomes a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I was part of a past organization where we launched everything at one big kickoff and everyone was trained in the same week and it followed that exact same chart you know it peaked there was tons of excitement there was tons of rah-rah there were drinks to be had the author of the book was on stage and then guess what happened six months later 
Who's with talking that. about that stuff? Nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. So you have to get that leadership buy-in. And then consistency of, so we, all right, you got leadership, mm -hmm. and then training the people. So talk about, as you went through, kind of what problems did you guys run into that you had to, didn't expect, maybe? I mean, anybody who's implemented a sales methodology, we, we kind of know what we're gonna run into, but what did you see that you didn't expect? And I know I'm totally off script here, which That's I okay. totally do on the podcast <laughs> all the time. Lori's a little nervous because I told her I was going to ask her questions this morning and she didn't have any forewarning. So hence the notes. Thank <laughs> you. I'm ready, but good. not with an answer to that question. <laughs> Problems that we ran into. Um, so I'll speak specifically about the Vortex training. So the prospecting piece, an incredible two days with Chad. I'm not just saying that because he's sitting right here next to me. Um, I'm not emotionally available. And so he's got a face for radio. Um, <laughs> An incredible two days, but really the, like the, the challenge that we ran into is that prior to that event, all the calls, all the outreach, everything was occurring in little side conference rooms. It was occurring quietly, I should say. And so one of the big impacts of that, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here with the slides, but one of the big impacts was getting everyone together and creating that like team environment we didn't have before. The energy level pre and post that Vortex training was like a night and day difference. So we had call block time, we had camaraderie, we had music playing in the room. We, we just had that energy level that gets anyone that's been in an SDR before knows that that's what carries you forward because it's a grind. Absolutely. Well, and, and you're, so you're talking about Vortex now, but you guys didn't just do a methodology for the sales people. I mean, this Correct. was a total revenue mm -hmm. funnel, yeah. get everybody aligned. Yeah. So it's not even, it's not like it's hard to implement a sales methodology. Yeah. That's a joke. Um, but to do an entire revenue funnel value articulation yeah. transformation, that's a huge yeah. lift. Yeah. It's a huge lift. Why did you guys decide to do, because we don't see a lot of companies take that approach, right? Quite honestly, we see somebody say, hey, we're going to put in a sales methodology, check the box, executives don't give crap and then out the other they go right why that approach was that was that the design from the beginning do it all at once so it wasn't done all at once right <laughs> let's True. be clear we started with the executives in october we rolled out a kickoff with the value selling methodology to aes account managers and sdrs and then three or four months later we came back and added on the vortex program for the sdr team and that was done very deliberately right to get everybody comfortable with the pieces that they had to get the executives and marketing and sales enablement to build the content first so that when we rolled out at kickoff, we had something that was aligned with Telium. From my perspective, the worst thing that we can do is a generic sales methodology that hasn't already been applied into what we do. There's more that we could have done and we continue to do more, write more content, write more playbooks, customize our competitive intelligence in the value selling language. But had we not done any of that, it would have been a disaster in my mind because it's too generic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And generic is isn't appealing, then it's very easy to fall back, right? We had to get it into Salesforce because Salesforce created the requirements to support the value selling methodology. And then it was the SDRs who then came in with the Vortex program. And that was very cool because that is where the energy came from because it's very social, right? Um, the concept of getting people out of conference rooms making phone calls and into their desks, it was huge. 
imagine this SDR team, the average tenure of an SDR is probably 12 to 15 months if I had to put a guess at it at Telium because they're constantly being tapped from other organizations. They're not leaving Telium. They're becoming AEs, AMs, everywhere. And so getting those people up and running with the Telium messaging really quick is so important to us and having them on the phones at their desks so that the person next to them can hear that messaging is huge. When they're hiding in conference rooms, we don't actually hear each other with the same messaging, right? And so the people that are losing is your peers and each other because you can constantly learn by sort of listening in on what people are talking about. Um, but we weren't doing that and so we weren't being good to ourselves and we built the office as pits for that inside sales team and our corporate selling team or in um, you know, the local office and so they should listen to each other. That's how messages translate and transfer and you refine what you want to say and understand what good looks like but we were taking that away so by part of Vortex was forcing them to make calls at the same time sitting at their desks and there are side benefits of that right you hear other people the you know the concept of rejection other people people aren't picking up the phone but when one of them gets somebody live that's contagious but you don't get that when it's not happening in a central location that's right and the trick I'm I mean, the trick there was the managers. The trick was the managers. If the managers didn't do it, mm -hmm. it wasn't mm -hmm. gonna it wasn't gonna happen. Anything else you remember from that training you wanna point out? Uh, besides you talking about Jack Daniels. <laughs> so I might have um, a small drinking problem. It's totally fine. No judgment. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would definitely say the manager's piece. Um, you've kind of heard that trend coming out of my mouth today is making sure that the managers kind of protect what that effort is that the SDRs are doing. So that call block can very easily be tapped into by other groups and other teams. And so them protecting that time for that camaraderie yep. is you know, crucial. crucial. And now we're further down the line, right? Mm -hmm. So we did the SKO, we did the Vortex, and now now the real work begins mm -hmm. right, to bring it back up. What kind of challenges are you seeing today or, or things that you've seen, maybe didn't see that you expected? Um, Pushback from individuals or yeah, attrition. I, we heard that a lot when we did the, well, I'm going to get out, I'm out of here if I have to do this. We heard that a lot when we did yeah. the Vortex stuff. Yeah. I think we should have enabled the managers to be able to inspect for it easier, right? We put everything in Salesforce. We said, here are a couple of reports you can use, but we didn't really ingrain it into the way they coached and managed during their team meetings. We didn't ingrain it into the way they did deal inspection or one-on-ones or things like that. We built it a little bit into our forecasting process, but not to the extent that we needed to. And so I think that's where when John was talking about the carrot and the stick earlier, we could have proactively managed that because if the managers are using that language consistently when they're coaching and inspecting, we would have seen the rep behavior change faster. Some of our reps have been with us for five years and that's the way that they're gonna operate. Mm -hmm. And so if they're not given a reason to change, they won't change. But if in a team meeting or that kind of example, one of our sales enablement trainings, you can see the power of the value prompter and the way that you can self-diagnose diagnose, right? So if the manager's inspecting and then AEs learn how to self-diagnose themselves because they see where the gaps are in any deal, we all become better. And that's the transformation that we need to make. And we just need to continue to encourage it. And I think we're still going through that process. It's taking a while. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, just to kind of add on to that, I mean, 
when you think about the camaraderie that I was just talking about with an SDR group, you've got to have that across the global organization too. And that's tough when you've got people sitting in home offices in different countries and different time zones. So what I would like to do is focus more effort, more energy, and I would encourage anyone else that's trying to drive a behavior change, celebrate the successes more. Using whatever tool it is, whether it's a software, sales methodology, anything, celebrate those wins because that's what drives sales teams forward when they hear their peers succeeding with something. I don't think there's any more motivating aspect than celebrating successes. So that's probably my biggest suggestion and big takeaway from here, even though I know we have 20 more minutes. <laughs> so good. I mean, I'm supposed to save that for the end, but <laughs> let's drop that carrot early. <laughs> what yeah. yeah, yeah, you can tell somebody's getting on a plane. Um, so, what was the experience like working with so? And and it doesn't have to be value selling yeah. specific, right? Mm -hmm. You chose to go with an outside partner to help pull this off. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Having run sales and marketing organizations, the outside perspective has always been eye opening, whether I liked it or not, depending on the time. What was that experience like working with work with us, just the partner in general? I don't have to make it about yeah. value selling, but what made it what made it successful from the partner? partnership uh, and the support you received to do this. Yeah. Um, I think it's invaluable. I, and, and you guys have done a great job, but I think having it, having that outside-in perspective of your organization and your efforts, between Lori and I, we kind of know what we need to do, but we also value the outside input of, here's, a, here's an organization that knows us. They invested the time into getting to know our business really well. So much so that when they come in and, and some of them train our new hires, our new hires ask the value selling associates, how long have you been with Telium? They think that they're part of our organization, so they've, they've embedded themselves. So they know where we are and where we need to go, and they can validate our efforts. So just last week, we were on the phone with them and saying, you know, here's what we think we need to do, and they validated. Yep, that's exactly, and we would make these suggestions. So kind of tying it back to my travel addiction, that outside-in perspective, kind of taking the blinders off and letting somebody else do some self-assessment for you. Excellent. What about for you? Yeah, I just, in these kinds of roles, you are so caught up in the day-to-day -day and what it takes to keep the lights on. And when you're hiring 60 people in a two-month period or 30 people in a two-month period, it is hard to take the step back and really invest in where can I take big changes or bigger risks or just get off the to-do list and actually, you know, go for the big vision. And third parties see that because they're not caught up in the day-to-day -day and the next person that we hire. They're helping us drive to that longer-term goal. And so Value Selling did that. We have a couple of consultants that we're working really closely with right now. And I love having them as part of our extended team because they do get you to think mm -hmm. bigger, to get out of the daily activities and into the world where we're going. What have the results been? What have you seen internally? Do we still have silos? Do we do do we have better sales cycles? What are you guys What are you guys seeing? What are they, What's the outcomes that you've seen? Mm -hmm. 
I think there are a couple things. One is specifically to the Vortex stuff on the SDR side before they were addicted to email. And it's really easy to hide behind email. And one of the key aspects of Vortex is the cross-functional, multi-channel path, right? It's not just email, it's phone, it's social, it's sending you know, physical mail and physical goods and everything to build out that experience. And I think it really took Vortex to see our inside sales team and our SDRs to really appreciate that. They were afraid of the phones right? Forcing them to do an hour call block a day. And it was forcing at the time, right? They weren't, Chad was there. They were not comfortable. They were not happy. They were not enjoying the experience. You know, we talked about it this morning in the main room, right? People don't answer their phones anymore, but it's part of the process, right? It's not the only, it's not exclusive, it's not the thing that you do every day, all day long, right? Um, but it is part of, right? And one thing that I see is when somebody sends me an email and that email looks interesting to me, and then they call and my phone actually says the name, maybe this person. And if that name strikes me because I read something that they sent me, which was interesting or had thought leadership, I may not pick up the phone, but it's more likely that I'll pick up the phone, right? Because there was something that they're actually providing value to me. So I think that was interesting. I think we're getting to a place where we're starting to speak the same language. We're starting to build content in a value selling framework. We're starting to write marketing material in a value selling framework. Our SDR experiences and campaigns are driven and cadences are driven off of that. And we're starting to see one of the best parts of value selling is that reinforcement of the plan letter, the follow-up letter after a meeting. And we're starting to see that proactive communication and structure. And I think we'll get you know through some of the other aspects on the journey. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, to put a timestamp on that, we're 10 months in, and so we're not anywhere close to being done, but we have made some great headway. And so as Lori said, I think some of the, well, last week I sat down, or two weeks ago, I sat down with our head of global SDRs, and I asked, you know, what's been the biggest, like, result, the impact from all of this? And I was expecting him to throw some numbers at me, but he said, John, actually the biggest impact has been the focus that we've had. Um, so I'll share a little a little fun thing that we did. Um, on We gathered everyone up on a Friday afternoon. We, I think, Lori, you coined the term cocktails and cadences or cervezas, cervezas. and cadences. Cadences and cervezas. Yeah. yeah, we didn't want anyone hitting the Jack Daniels too hard no. you know, on a Friday afternoon you know, before the end of the business day. Um, but it was fun. So there was you know, snacks and drinks, but there was focus. And so they focused in on a particular area because as a customer data platform, you can try to be all things to everybody, but the way a CMO deals with data at a uh, retail organization is very different than a CMO at a media organization. And so the, the outreach has got to be a little bit different. To get their attention, you've got a different approach, and it's a multi-touch approach. And so as they get together and they hone in on either one persona or one vertical, they can fine-tune it, and they can tweak it, and they can get input, and they can research, and they're doing it as a group with cocktails. <laughs> Everything goes better with that. Um, so that has been like 
the big impact for them is that focus. Rather than kind of spreading out phone calls across the day, spreading out emails across the industries and the personas, the focus has really helped. It's structure. It is, it is. It's structure. And it's and discipline. Focus. And to the credit, to the credit of your of your SDRs, that was a tough, that was a tough vortex class. Yeah. We had, we had to stop and realign some expectations. Yeah, you did a great um, job of that. Yeah, I'm not sure all of them would agree with you. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's candid, it's candid honesty, right? And but to their credit, they stepped into it. Mm -hmm. And that was that was, you know, that was what we wanted to see That's at right. the end of it. Mm -hmm. All right, so we got five minutes left. I want to make sure we give them a chance to ask some questions, sure. but I have one more for each of you. So you guys are execs. If somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, they do not have a referral in, how do they capture your attention and earn the right to get 15 minutes on your calendar? What works the best for each of you? I'd say personalization, but persistence. I know that sounds weird because I don't answer my phone, but I'll give an example of, um, so we just bought a sales asset management tool and the company that I bought it from actually started their outreach to me three companies ago. And she, their SDR stayed with me through three, I, I don't do job hopping, but this was years ago. Um, I now sound horrible right now, but anyway. Um, I was gonna say, man, but she stayed persistent and she watched and when she saw the LinkedIn profile change, there was the little congratulations, handwritten thank you note on my desk when I started, which was super cool. Value selling actually did that as well because I was selecting value selling at my last company. But that, that uh, personalization, which is time consuming, but impactful, and the persistence. Nice, and for you? I do like the personalization. I do not like the persistence. So personalization <laughs> is huge, but I do think there's a constant, you know, the, the idea of respecting my time and bringing me value. So I am a huge believer in providing um, data, right? Data sells. Thought leadership content is huge because you're trying to get me to think differently and think about not necessarily about your technology, but the business outcomes that will happen from whatever you're trying to sell to me, right? So thought leadership and then appropriately timed follow-up, <laughs> right? And I am more willing to respond and I frequently respond when somebody has sent me some amount of thought leadership that I do think is interesting. In the back of my head, I think, when is the right time for me to engage in this conversation? It's probably not next week. So when you say, do you have 15 minutes tomorrow? The answer probably there is no, but I do have a timeline of things that are interesting to me. And sometimes it's a month out, sometimes it's three months out, sometimes it's the beginning of the year, the best salespeople are the ones that follow up with me on that timeline, right? Or keep me interested and keep me warm with good new data-driven content and then come back when I've said the time is right. Perfect. I'll open up the room. Any questions for them? Any questions at all? I've got one more. I was going to give you a shot. Yeah, go for it. So I want to hear more about the Vortex session and the pushback you got, the kind of language the reps used. And then, well, one, you mean once they were done crying? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, it, it was the it was the disbelief, right? It's disbelief. The we have technology out the wazoo, right? We've, we've got so much tech, we don't know what to do with it. And it was they didn't believe they didn't.
didn't have the faith that it would work. And, I, and it was actually John who pointed out uh, in the workshop, one of the things about the way that we approach it is you see results in class, like right there. And the minute they started to see those results, the tide started to turn. But it was a candid conversation. I asked permission before I had it to basically hold them accountable and say, perhaps if you're not willing to do what it takes to be successful in this career, perhaps you've made a poor career choice and we should have a different conversation. Um, and But I did it with love. But it was, they didn't think anybody would pick up the phone. I can't remember the exact numbers, but for another client last week, we set, we set meetings to, to the equivalent of 6.5 million in pipeline in class. And the minute they start to see those results, then it changes. It's just how do you, what's the culture for the company? Do you want to be, I'm not a particularly soft and cuddly kind of guy. So I was pretty candid with them and it seemed to work. Yeah. They needed one, it. One of the things that I think culturally we were in a place of is I would call it choose your own value proposition on the rep side. Everybody was different, right? And before the SDR would even reach out to anybody, they did research on the company, research on the person, research on the tech stack. I mean, you could do an hour of research before you send an email, right? And get through eight emails in an eight hour day. Or you could figure out how to do really solid segmentation, targeting, and positioning and create scale out of it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't sound great to the SDR because they want to be hyper-personalized, but it took this conversation to get through that mental block of the STP to increase efficiencies and effectiveness. Um, thank you. Yeah. Back. Um, what was the resistance like from, I guess, the top 20% of performers, right? Those who have had the most success already in your current sales you know, outreach, you now you know, changing that up a bit. I'm sure for some of the newer hires, the raw raw will work as well, but for some of those who are doing it well, yeah, maybe you talk through some of the challenges that you guys faced there and how you overcame that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's just behavior change in motion, right? So anytime you need to do something different, the longer you've been doing it, the longer it's going to take you to change. So an SDR, we probably saw a great adoption from them because they're just a few years into their career path. You get somebody who's selling 10 years and you tell them they need to change how they're doing it, it's going to take a lot more than just an overnight you know, flip of a switch. So it's just the constant reinforcement, and I go back to like celebrating the success um, and using them as a success. If you can get them to try it out and succeed once, if that's one of your top 20 or 20% performers, who do you think is going to listen? The entire organization. Yeah. When we talk about, and hopefully you and John talk about um, personalized persistence, um, what medium would you most likely be contacted by? What you go with, what should we stay away from? And is that personal or universal? I never speak universally. I only can speak for myself. <laughs> so I'll be clear on that. Um, I'm a fan of email, right? LinkedIn is actually like I've stopped. I really am starting to be very focused on who I accept and kicking people out of my LinkedIn because it's starting to get not a true network, but more of a sales pitch. I do like actually some of the the true social selling concepts, which is, you know, engage with people through LinkedIn, post useful content, give responses and engage with content that other people are um, presenting before you ask to be part of their network. You know, I, I do think some of the Sendosa type things 
really help or the handwritten letters, um, but those you know also can fall flat. But you, they're expensive, and but I do recognize those calls, calls only after emails when you've shared good thought leadership content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of a funny story. So the new person that I hired just went from account executive to sales enablement, having that in her title. And as soon as she changed her LinkedIn profile, I, I warned her. I said, all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing outreach constantly. You know, oh, I see you're an enablement professional. Um, and sure enough, the, the day that it changed, she got three uh, LinkedIn requests. Oh, well, can we, how can we help you with your enablement initiatives? Enablement's a very, very popular yet kind of niche title in, in the space right now. And so there's a lot of companies vying for the business. And I think any time that you can kind of hear our, our, our challenges and our, our opportunities and kind of serve us with thought leadership and ways other companies have overcome those problems, that's what gets our attention. Any other questions? All right, final question for me. If you could give this room one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would make them successful, what would it be and why? What if I already gave that advice 20 repeat minutes it. ago? You get to repeat it? <laughs> I, I am not going to make See, I told you. jokes there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I go back to that celebrating wins, celebrating successes. I think we, we do it so rarely in sales organizations. We're focused on the numbers. We love the numbers. I think we have to celebrate you know, what's going well outside of the numbers, who's doing well. Um, and I think our frontline sales leaders need to do that as well. Uh, we tend to coach to the numbers, coach to the spreadsheets, and to an extent, that's really important, but a percentage of time has to be spent on the people. And for you? I'd say focus on outcomes over outputs. It's so easy in some of these organizations, like an SDR organization, where you've focused on the number of calls or the number of emails or the number of discovery meetings. The truth is an SDR organization is not beneficial unless they're driving quality meetings with the right people that turn into deep opportunities that turn into closed one. And so that transition of the mindset from outputs and measuring the activity into the outcomes, what are we handing off? to the next part of the organization is huge. Excellent. I want to thank you guys very much for taking time to do this. I know it has, been, has been a slog, so thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being part of our little experiment. Um, hit us up, leave us a review, and until next time, we wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.